welcome to the Redeemer 20 Sermon Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. My name is Luke Dirks, and I'm your host, and I'm also privileged to lead the 20s ministry at Redeemer Church in beautiful Rockford, Illinois. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at our Thursday night gathering at 7 p.m. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope you also join us at a future Thursday. Bibles. Let's get situated. Let's get ready. Um, God wants to teach us tonight. Amen. God has something to say to us. So, Nick, take it away, man. Hello, guys. <laughs> All right, it's from the book of John, um, chapter 8, verse 12. <clears throat> it says here, <clears throat> so through 30, so it's going to be a little bit. <laughs> Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk into darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come, where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am, I am the one who bears witness about myself. And the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So they said to him, therefore... Where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am, where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to, do, uh, to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to him, them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Thanks, Nick. All right, let's pray and invite the Lord to come and teach us. Father, as we begin uh, just this night together, thank you for this fellowship. Thank you for this commonality around your word. 
God, it is the source of truth that we most desperately need in our lives. We most desperately need it. And so, God, I pray um, that as we dissect this text that um, is considered by some to be hard, hard to understand, hard to glean from, Lord, we believe that your word is truth. We believe that it is profitable. So I pray from, from this text that you would flow the water of truth and grace and goodness upon us as we study. Um, and I pray for anyone in here just discouraged and feels far from God, that they would feel brought near to God. Because when your word is preached, um, it is you speaking. It is your very words to create. You are the creator of the world. And when the Bible is read, you are speaking. And so we invite you to come speak to us. God, I pray that we would listen to the word and align our lives with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, as, you, as you know, we're in John chapter 8, and we're looking at the text, um, verses 11 to 30. And Jesus has been at the Feast of the Tabernacles, is what it's called. And he's been speaking to the people, and it's really ironic, because the Feast of the Tabernacles is reminiscing upon the tabernacle. And Jesus, in John chapter 1, says, um, in, in John chapter 1, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word dwelt there literally means tabernacled among us. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of the tabernacle. He is God with us. And here are the Jews celebrating the feast of the tabernacles. And in chapter 7, um, during this feast, there is a ceremony of, of water. And Jesus fulfills that. He says in um, chapter 7, verse 38, he says, Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. <laughs> and then he also fulfills the light ceremony of this feast. In, in verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Um, so just some really um, awesome imagery going on here in the text. Um, but what we have here really is a 59-verse attack on the person of Jesus <laughs> from these Pharisees cranky, grouchy Pharisees don't like what Jesus is saying, don't like that they're ch he's challenging the status quo, don't like that he's not fixated on the appearance, the appearances, don't like that he's preaching with the heart, right? That's what Jesus does, right? He preaches directly to our hearts. And so these cranky, jealous Pharisees <laughs> are, uh, they get in, they start this argument with Jesus and you know, what fruit could come from an argument? I think there's much fruit here. And so here's where I'm going. Um, my title tonight is, Who is Jesus? And from this discussion, we get five um, statements that Jesus says about himself. Five statements that Jesus says about himself. And just a brief word of um, encouragement to you um, as Christians um, we are to press on. We are to press into the Lord. And I would just ask you, do you have a desire to know Jesus more? Do you have a desire to press in and to say, no, I want to read, Lord, teach me. Um, and, and if we read tonight, Jesus is going to do just that. Um, so in verse 12, let's just kick it right off. The first thing Jesus says about himself, he says, I am the light of the world. 
I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so what, what Jesus first is saying, that's my first point. Who is Jesus? He is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. Into the darkness of our human race. Would anybody deny that, that we live in a dark world today? With all the shootings and murder and evil that you see on, on, on the outside, but then also in your own heart, the desires that are so contrary to God's law. The world is a dark place, but Jesus brings the light. Jesus brings the truth. To the darkness of our sorrow, he is the light of joy. I think of Psalm 4 when, when David says, You have put more joy in my heart than when their grain and wine abound. Basically saying, basically saying God, you give me more joy than the best parties of riches and wealth. Lord, you give me more joy. He's the light of joy. To the darkness of our sin, he is the light of righteousness. To our broken inner soul that manifests in broken actions and it affects people around us and we hurt the people we love most, that's sin. It's caused by sin. But to sin, Jesus is the light of righteousness. To the light of, of ignorance, foolishness, he's the light of wisdom. And to the darkness of death, he's the light of life. Jesus brings the light. You know, I, as, as I was studying this, I was just thinking, and think with me, what, what, a, what a terrible, dark place the world would be without the sun, right? It's like, oh, I can't wait to get up at the sunrise. No, there's no sun. <laughs> That's a miserable place to exist. Well, I can't wait to be warmed in my driveway as the sun bakes me on a nice August day. No, there's no sun. Oh. I can't wait to go to the beach. No, you can't go to the beach because there's no sun. You can go to the beach, but it's not as fun without a sun. <laughs> um, the world would be completely dark and depressing without a sun. I know a lot of, a lot of my friends, maybe some of you here, um, struggle with um, elevated sadness or depression when the sun isn't uh, around. And that's a, that's a real thing. Some of you struggle with that. And just imagine a world without the sun dark place that's what that's the imagery jesus is using here for for himself i am the light of the world i'm the light to your soul into the darkness of your soul what a desolate place my soul would be that can i just testify before all of you what a desolate place my soul would be without the light of christ in my life because i was so dark and i still have darkness in me but christ is pushing it back every day the Holy Spirit in me is allowing me to put to death my sin and to walk by the Spirit every day. What a mess I would be. What a darkness. What a dark place I'd be without the light. And I know so many of you would get up and say the same thing. Christ has done that in me too. Let me up on that stage. Let me tell everyone what Christ has done in me. The darkness that he rid me of. That he is working on. Praise God to his name. I love this point. Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world, Pharisees. I am the light of the world. What this also means is that we will always have, as Christians, clarity to walk, to live in our life. What does this mean? A parallel uh, verse or a, a 
a parallel idea is found in 2 Peter for, um, chapter 1, verse 3, where it says that His divine power has given to us everything we need for life and godliness. If you are in Christ, you will have enough light. You will not walk in darkness. That's what Jesus says here. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Christian, you have everything you need to kill your sin. No, do not be discouraged about your sin. Do not fall into the trap of saying, no, I'll never be free. I'll never get over this. I'll never beat it. I'll always fall in. No, that is not an attitude of faith. Jesus has said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Don't disbelieve. Believe him who has the power to change you. Believe him who can take away your sin. You have everything you need, Christian. 2 Timothy 3 um, says something um, similar. And I want to turn to it. 2 Timothy 3, 16. It's talking about the word. It's talking about the word of Christ. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Did you know that? That God spoke the word. Yes, he used men to write it, but it was his words. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Verse 17. Why? To what purpose? So that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If you are in the light, if you are in Christ, you are complete, equipped for every good work. You have what you need for the ministry that God has assigned you. I love the verse at the end of Colossians where Paul tells Archippus. Some of you have read this verse. He says, um, see that, and tell Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you've been given in the Lord. And I think that's a great exhortation for some of us here. For, that you have a ministry that you've been given by the Lord. You, and you know what I'm talking about. To your coworkers, to your family, you have a ministry that God has given you. Isn't it such a joy to know that you have the light of life, that you will not walk in darkness, that when you go into your coworkers, when you tell them about who Jesus is, when you tell your family and you testify for Jesus' name, you're not going to walk in darkness. You're going to have the light of life. But the Pharisees are looking for a fight. (laughs) They're always looking for a fight. And immediately, they say, they challenge him. And reading this, I'm like, why? This is one of the most amazing statements Jesus makes about who he is. And they're immediately on him. Verse 13, the Pharisees say to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Your testimony is not true. It's like, he just said something amazing, Pharisees. And, and so, they're, of course, they're picking a fight. And so they pull this Old Testament law that says you need two witnesses to, to make a claim. And so they're saying, Jesus, you can't claim to be the light if you don't have two witnesses. So you're like, dude, you're pulling out Old Testament law on him? He's, um, and uh, so they say, they basically are saying, you're a liar, Jesus, because you don't have any witnesses. <laughs> and verse 14, Jesus says, even, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. You're right that I don't have a, any witnesses, but I don't need a witness. This isn't court. 
And then he says, For I know where I am going and where I came from, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You see, Jesus knows his origin. He's testifying to that. He's testifying that he is from the Father. But then he turns up the heat um, because he, he's the only one who can execute true justice in the world. And this is the next point. This is my second point, that Jesus is the judge of the world. Jesus is the judge of the world. So look at verse 15. This is Jesus' accusation of the Pharisees. He says, you judge according to the what? The flesh. I judge no one. And really what he's saying is, I, I, I judge no one in that way. Because Jesus does judge. He is a judge. And he says that, in fact, in the next verse. He says, yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. He's saying that my justice is not like yours, Pharisees. <laughs> Praise God. Right? He's saying my judging, my assessment of people is not based on the outward appearance. He's saying I look at the heart, Pharisees. But you look at the outward adherence to the law. Did you tithe enough? And did you pray in the, in the synagogue with your hands up in a big showy show? <laughs> did you do it? Yeah, they judge in that way. They judge based on appearances. They judge based on who is your father? Who are you from? Are you the line of Judah? Are you the line of you know, Manasseh? Sorry, not as good. But Jesus' judgment is true. And what's the reason for it? He says, my judgment is true for why? Because it's not me alone, I alone who judge. It's because I and my Father judge. And so Jesus is the judge of the world, but his enactment of justice is always true and it is always beautiful because it is from his Father. You know, reading this, text reminded me of first samuel 16 when when samuel the prophet is tasked with finding the next king and so he goes to the sons of jesse now jesse has 12 sons and apparently they look kingly because every time a, a, one of them passed before samuel samuel said now this is the king and then god was like no i've rejected him okay maybe the next one now, oh, this is the king. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve sons. Is there any more? And David gets picked. And God says to Samuel, I have not chosen any of them because I look not as man sees, but I look on the heart. That's what the judgment of God is. God can see into our souls and he can judge perfectly. Jesus is the judge of the world. Jesus, yes, is a savior to those who receive him. John 3, 16, amen. For all those who believe, right? For God so loved the world that whoever believes, whoever, in here, anyone, the gospel call goes out to all. Whoever believes will have eternal life, will not perish. 
And then verse 17 goes on, for Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, right? But to, but to save it, right? So yes, Christ is a savior to those who receive him. And Christ offers himself to everyone here, even tonight. But to those who reject Jesus, he is their judge. He is your judge. Jesus is the judge of the world. And what I want, my application for this point, I really want to press in is that I just want to praise God for his perfect justice. Um, I, I don't know if I'm the only one just being weighed down by the news lately. It just seems like every other day someone's um, just being killed or um, just wickedness uh, and evil in the world. I just feel like I see it every day on the news. Um, but at this word, I am encouraged that yes, our laws can't ever bring true justice. They can't bring people back from the dead. Our laws can't rectify some of the things that have happened, but Christ will make it all right. He is the perfect judge. He is the one who sees in the hearts, and at the end, he will make all right. He will settle the accounts. Christ is the true judge. We can trust in that. If you've been wronged, you can trust in the judge, in the true judge. He will make it right. It is not yours to make right. It is his. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. So Jesus um, is the judge, but he's almost, he's now going to indulge the Pharisees with their courtroom analogy. In verse 17, he says, okay, yes, in your law, verse 17, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. <laughs> so he says, okay, <laughs> I'm the one who bears witness about myself, and the father who sent me bears witness about me. <laughs> so he's like, all right, even though I don't agree about the, that I'm not on trial, I'll give you your two witnesses, me and my father. They're the ones who testify about me being true. And so then the Pharisees go on and they say, well, okay, who's your father? And again, the, just reading this is kind of brutal because it's, it's, they're continuing to misunderstand Jesus. And they say, where's your father? And so it opens the door for Jesus to drop another truth about himself. And it, it is this, it's that he is the image of God. That's my third point. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the judge of the world. And he is the image of God. Check it out in verse 19. It's, he says, uh, the Pharisees say, where is your father? Jesus is saying, answer, you know, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. You know, I, I always, th this was a, um, this is such a great verse because it tells us about Jesus. He's saying, if you knew me, Pharisees, you would know him. And it, what this reality is, is that you cannot know God apart from Christ. Christ is the image of the invisible God, Colossians chapter 1. He is the exact imprint of his nature. That's Hebrews chapter 1. Colossians 2, the, full, the whole fullness of God dwells bodily. The whole fullness of deity dwells within him. Christ is the reflection of God. He, he is the image of the invisible God. And in fact, two chapters later, Jesus would say, 
I and the Father are one. And so here are the Pharisees with blank stares, misunderstanding, but Jesus is saying this amazing truth, the Yahweh of the Old Testament and himself are one. This means you cannot know God and ignore his son. The Jews who continue to reject Christ and wait for their Messiah, as in, I think that's verse 21, it says, um, Jesus says, I'm going to the cross, I'm going away, and you will seek me, you're going to continue to look for the Messiah, and you will die in your sins. There are many people like that, continuing to look for the Messiah, but Jesus says, I am here, I am the Messiah. There is no one more vibrant. There is no one more beautiful. There is no one more awesome. There's no one more glorious than Jesus. I'm the image of the invisible God. You have seen me. You have seen the Father. You know, growing up in the church, um, as with my dad as a pastor, um, you know, people would often say, they would either say, well, you look exactly like your mom. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to take that. Um, but my mom's beautiful, so that's nothing against her, but, uh, you know, do I look like a girl? But, um, but then there's the people like, you look exactly like your dad, and, and that's the most confusing thing when there's an equal amount of people that are like, you look exactly like your mom, and you don't look like your dad at all, and then there's the people that are like, you look exactly like your dad, and so it just reminded me of what I used to say is to the people that, um, think I look like my dad, I'd say, well, if you've seen the, if you've seen the son, you've seen the father. So that was my, that was kind of my, that was kind of my Bible joke, so that, I, I like that verse, because it reminds me of that, but, but what it really is, um, is such an eternal truth that we need to re- be reminded of, that Jesus is the image of God, he's the exact imprint of his nature, and so, um, I just want to ask you, what, what are you, what are you, what have you thought about this week? What have you entertained in your mind? What are you worshiping? Who, who is your true God? You know, a lot of times I can tell where my soul is based upon what I'm thinking about, based upon what entertains my dreams, based on what entertains my spare moments in the day. What is it for you? Is it the opinions of others? I really hope they notice me. Is it success at your work or, or whatever it is for you? Is it Christ? Is it, the invi- is it the image of the invisible God? Is it the character of Jesus, the light of the world that you spend your moments dwelling upon? Because, oh Lord, that my heart would be there each day. Because every day that I dwell on sin and, my, and idols, I have terrible days. I have terrible days. Because I'm not meant to behold those things. We're all meant to behold who Christ is. We're all meant to see who God is. We're all meant to drink in his word each morning and to think upon him in the day. And to meditate day and night upon his word. Right? Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who meditates on his word day and night he will be like a tree planted by streams of water he will be like a tree that prospers oh lord make us make this group like that
God. So the debate, again, between the Pharisees continues to rage, and we get the, we get the background that it's happening in the temple treasury. And again, um, just I should have said this at the beginning, but cha- the beginning of chapter 8 that Alex, um, we were all blessed to hear Alex last week teach on, um, that section is kind of in a weird place. It kind of cuts the Feast of the Tabernacles in two. So really this text is a continuation of the, of the feast that they've been at. And so we find that uh, Jesus is now in the temple treasury within reach of his enemies, and yet it says that no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. <laughs> I love that. That's like a sermon right there, right? His hour had not yet come. It's like no matter how much the Pharisees hated this man, no matter how much wickedness dwelt in their hearts, no matter how much Satan wanted to orchestrate that moment to steal the glory from Jesus, no one could. It was not yet his time. No one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. All the times are in the, in the Lord's hands. And that's where we get to our next point. Jesus, indeed, he, he makes a move and he says that he is the Messiah. That's my fourth point, that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. And so I'll do a, just a quick paraphrase of these verses, but he says, I am going away. I'm going to the cross, verse 21. And you Pharisees, you will seek me. You will look for the Messiah and you will die in your sins because I'm the Messiah. If you continue looking for the Messiah and I go to the cross, you're going to miss it. You're going to die in your sins. And so the Jews, they miss it again. They say, will he kill himself? Since he says where I'm going, you cannot come. And Jesus said to them, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. What is he saying here? Unless you believe that I am he, unless you believe that I am the anointed one, I am the one foretold by the prophets Pharisees, I'm the one you've been looking for, but you're blinded. You can't see me. Matthew 4, 16 says uh, about the coming of Christ that the people that dwelt in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Jesus is that light. He's the anointed one spoken of. But the Pharisees are going to miss it. They're going to continue to search after Jesus And he's going to go to the cross. In verse 24, he says, I I have told you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Again, they just don't get it. And Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. He's the Messiah. And then finally, more to say, but we've got to hurry on. In verse um, 28, he is finally, he is the authority of the world. That's my fifth point. Verse 26, he says, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him, the Father. Now they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. And so Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, when you've crucified me, 
then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority. I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. I love that. Jesus is authoritative when he speaks because he is speaking directly from the Father. Because every word that I speak, Pharisees, is a word that my Father gave me to speak. And then he goes on to say that the sign of this will be the crucifixion. In verse 28, he says, when you've lifted me up, you'll know. And that actually happened in, in Matthew 27. There was a centurion, right, beside the cross who saw the Lord crucified. And what did he say? Surely, truly, this was the Son of God. I love that. When you become a Christian, the words of Christ are your compass. They are your light. And that's not to say that man's wisdom has no value. Reading good books is wise. But my prayer for this group would be that we would be people of the book. That we would be men and women of God's word. Of Jesus' words. Because Jesus' words have authority. Because all the words that you hear in the world are emptiness. They're emptiness. The fleshly words of the world are empty. But the words of Jesus are authoritative. And that's why it's so important that we open the Bible every day, friends. <laughs> oh man, if I could impart one thing to you. is a habit, a habit of grace to get up in the morning or to end your, end your night reading the word, reading, the, reading these words. There's been no bigger transforming force in my life. I just want to testify to that. God's used people in my life. He's, he's used a couple key people in my life. But predominantly, he's used the word to change my heart, to mold me, to say, dude, did you see that sin? You've never seen that. And now that you're reading James, you're seeing the sin for the first time. And that's what the word does. It reveals sin in our hearts so we can forsake it. And as you forsake sin, as you put to death sin, the more and more you live. And so I want that for you. I so want that for you. And even tonight, Jesus' arms extend to you. The free gift of grace is yours. Jesus is a savior for all those who would believe. For those of you in here, for, for those of us who, who look back at our past and the things we've done with regret, the message of Christianity is a new beginning. It's a new start, right? You can start again. That's what Christ offers. Praise God. But I have to warn you because in this passage, there is a warning. In verses 21 and 24, Jesus says, if you don't believe me, you will die in your sins. You guys see that there? In the verses, he says, if you don't believe that I'm the Messiah, you will die in your sins. And so I would be a failure as a messenger of God if I didn't end and speak of this. You know, Romans 3.23, it says that the wages of sin is death. 
that what you get when you do sin, what you receive when you disobey God, is death. That is the just punishment for sin. And I just want to pose this question to you today. Are you rejecting God? Are you rejecting the law of God? Are you making peace with your sin? Don't do it. Don't do it. Have you made peace with your sin? Unless you believe you will die in your sin. God's judgment will rightly fall upon you if you do not repent. Exodus 34, 7 says, Christ, God will not let the guilty go free. He won't. Because his justice is perfect. So then you ask, how may I escape the judgment of God? It's this, admit. Admit you're in rebellion to God and repent. Turn back from your sins. Turn away. Turn away from your sins. Admit that you are a sinner before the Lord and take hold of Christ's perfect righteousness for you. Doesn't, if you think you're a good person, you're not good enough because the law is too high. You can't reach it. You may have done what church thinks of as a good life. You never did this sin or that sin, but you're not good enough. You're not good enough for the law of God. And so the law levels all of us before Jesus. But then the good news is, Acts 3.19, repent and turn to God. He's, his arms are open to you so that your sins will be erased and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I love that verse. Times of refreshing, y'all. How terrible is it to be in when you're in the middle of sin, when you're in the darkness of sin, but Christ offers the refreshing he offers you refreshing. You know, there are no perfect people in heaven. There are no perfect people in heaven. It's just forgiven people. So are you forgiven? Let's pray. Lord, in this text, we see your heart for these Pharisees that were so confused and you had patience with them to explain and explain again. And Lord, we see ourselves in the Pharisees. We think we're good. We think we're, we understand. We think we have a good record, but Lord, it's all trash. It's all trash. It's all dirty rags before you. We need the, the righteousness that you give. And so, Lord, I pray today that we would all take hold anew. Lord, even Christians need to reach for the righteousness of Christ each day. And Lord, help us not to trust on, in our own strength, in our own performance, but only in the performance, the perfect performance of Jesus on our behalf. Oh Lord, encourage, strengthen, lift up the spirits of the downcast in here today, Lord, that they would be filled with the light of life, that they would be feeling the refreshing that comes when, you, when they repent of their sin. And Lord, I pray for the people that are rejecting you, even them. Lord, we love them because you love them. And I pray that, Lord, you would just bug them. <laughs> Lord, don't let them go. Chase after them. Lord, even as you, your goodness and mercy chases after us all the days of our life as Christians. And so, Lord, we exalt you because of your word. And Lord, just ask you to bless the the 
the discussion around the word and the fellowship together as we pray for one another and confess sin and and ask you for strength this week to live for you, to speak for you, and to be completely aimed at your glory this week. In Jesus' name, amen.